God will only empower those who talk about him. If you talk about a church, you don't need Holy Spirit empowerment. If you talk about your pastor, you don't need a Holy Spirit empowerment. If you start talking about Jesus, he will empower you. Life is a journey, and as in every journey, you need a roadmap. Today on Your Roadmap to Success, you will receive detailed instructions on how to navigate through life successfully. Welcome to Your Roadmap to Success with author and teacher, Neil Achampon. Father, we thank you this morning. We ask that as we set your word, that you will speak to our hearts. Remind us of your truth, because we do believe that is a moment that you are about to unfold truth to our hearts. Lord, may you speak through me and bless not only those in this building, but those online and those who will come hereafter, even to listen to this message again. We thank you for answered prayer. Even in Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, Amen. All right, so we will continue with our study on the book of Acts. How many of you started the Acts challenge? I asked you to start reading the book. All right, start reading the book of Acts, all right? And I do believe that when you read it, it will bless you. So we are still focusing on the Acts of the Apostles. And last week, I reminded you that actually, to me, it should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. And I do believe the Holy Spirit wants to work through us today as well. Amen. Three things we did mention from our last study that the book of Acts reveals three things to us. It shows us the church and how that church looks like when the Holy Spirit is in that church. The book of Acts shows us what happens when the Holy Spirit infuses a church. It becomes a church that is vibrant, full of fire, and so on. But please don't make a mistake. The New Testament church was not perfect. Ananias and Sapphira were inside the church. Jesus told them to go and wait. They didn't. They went to vote. They were not a perfect church. There were things they still did that was wrong. So that is the second thing that the book of Acts shows us. It does not only show us what happens when the Holy Spirit infuses a church, it also shows us how a church functions when the Holy Spirit is absent. And finally, it shows us what we are supposed to do and also be as the church of Jesus today. Amen. So in our last lesson, we understood that we should never, never, Attempt to do the work of God without the Spirit of God. Never do it. The reason for which there is many pastors, musicians, ushers, what, what, what have you, all around. And we are all claiming we are doing the work of God, but it's not being done God's way. is because we are doing it without His Spirit. 
Always make sure that it is God who is leading you. Amen. There was a pastor. He's a pastor of a very big church. And he was in the country. And whatever reason, he got my phone number. And when we talked, he said, I hear you do projects and don't push the people for money. How does that happen? It's a very difficult question to answer. But these were my simple words. If the project came from him, he will provide for it. Because the word provision, if you slash it into two, is providing for the vision. If the vision comes from him, he will provide for it. If I dream it up, I have to twist your hands to get the money. So sometimes the money doesn't even come from us in this building. People write us checks. We don't know where they come from. God has a way of taking care of his things. That is why I'm meticulously slow. Because once I know he is saying it, and I push for it, he will pay for it. Amen. The church must understand who we are. We cannot function like the world. Please do me a favor. Raise your right hand and say this after me. From this day, I will make sure that I live by the Spirit. Amen. Somebody had said that there is too much of the world in the church. And there is less of the church in the world. And that is why the world does not see what the church ought to look like. We permit too much of the world into the church of God. I think we need to move away from that. Amen. And so we should never attempt God's work without his spirit. Today's lesson is about the work. What is the work that he wants us to do? And so turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 1. We'll read verse 4 and 5, and then we will jump to verse 8. But our focus will be on verse 8. The work that he wants us to do. He says, never attempt my work without my spirit. What is this work that he wants us to do? And the truth is, every single one of us in this building is taxed with that work. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and verse 5. Once when he was eating with them, he told them not to leave Jerusalem. He said, wait here to receive the promise from the Father which I told you about. John baptized people with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit comes to you, or he comes on you, you will receive power. You will be my witnesses. Please underline that, those two words. My witnesses. That is the work. God wants you to be his witness. Be, you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, and in every part of the world. So today, our focus will be this, bearing witness for Jesus. Say that with me. So let's begin by understanding the word witness. All right? It is a very common terminology in law, but it has have applications in other areas. A witness is someone who has seen something and they can testify to it, generally speaking. 
in the scriptures, it is the same, but it is a little different. And I want us to walk through the word of God to define it. When you read the Bible, you will come to the understanding that in the Old Testament, which is the Hebrew scriptures, the word Eid is used. And that is what is interpreted as witnesses. In the New Testament is the word matus, out of which we get the English word martyrs. That if you're going to be a witness for Christ, it means you will end up dying for him. You're quiet. All of us want to go be with the Lord, but nobody wants to die. So we are trying to define the term witness in the scriptural context. So first of all, go with me to the book of Ruth chapter 4. I will not read the entire nine verses, starting from verse 1, but I will read only one verse. Now, you all remember the story of Boaz. You all remember Boaz? All right. The guy who saw Naomi's daughter-in-law, Ruth. All right. And we are told that it came to a point where he wanted to marry Ruth. And so he had to go through a process because he was not the closest relative. Okay? Based on their custom, somebody else was what we call in the King James, the kinsman redeemer or the closest relative who had the chance to buy the land of Elimelech and also marry Ruth. Now, Boaz brought all the leaders or the elders in his community into a meeting at the city gate. When they showed up, he says, I have called you guys today to come here to witness a transaction. Let's pick up from Ruth chapter 4. Let's look at verse 9. Please, if you can read with me from the screen, shall we? Then Boaz said to the elders and to all the people, you are witnesses today. I am buying from Naomi everything that belongs to Elimelech and Kilion and Malon. Kilion and Malon were the sons. Remember, they had all died. And um, Appa didn't come, but Ruth showed up. And he says, I want to acquire everything, including the woman. Now, that's customary. It's not done in America. However, he says, I can't do it because I am not the next in line. Somebody else is. So when he gathers the elders, he says, you are here as what? Witnesses. It tells you that a witness sees something, but then they are part of the process itself also. Are you guys following? In the context of the world, it is simply somebody who has seen it. But in the scriptures, it goes beyond that. All right, let's go to the second scripture. This one will be in the New Testament, and it is about Jesus. In the book of Luke chapter 24, Jesus has resurrected he meets the people, some of his disciples. He opens their eyes so they will understand the scriptures. And then the scripture tells us, he tells them about the fact that Jesus died and he resurrected. And that through him, there is forgiveness of sins and God requires that men will repent. Then he says to them in verse 48, please read with me, Luke chapter 24, verse 48, shall we? Read. He says, you are witnesses of these things, Matus. He is saying that something important happened in Jerusalem. Jesus died. He rose from the dead. And that has made salvation available to all men. And he's saying, you are witnesses. 
So notice from these two verses, from Eid and Matthews, right? Let's put it together that a witness in the Bible is someone who has seen or experienced something important. The people in Boaz's world, they did experience and they saw something. The disciples also saw Jesus come back to life. So when the scripture says you are a witness, he is not just talking about what you have seen. He's talking about what you have what? Experienced. Are you guys with me? Now, I need everybody to look at me very carefully. You don't need to say anything to be a witness. As long as you were present when the thing happened, you are a witness. But when Jesus says, my witnesses, he is talking about bearing witness. When a witness shares what they know truthfully, they have borne witness. Are you with me? So you can be a witness and never bear witness. That is why the church is full of witnesses who have decided not to talk because they are afraid of the popo. Proverbially. We are afraid of what the world will say. We have seen it. We have experienced it. But we do not want to say. I've often heard people who, who want to wait till the end of the year before they have a testimony. Really? No. You must declare what you have experienced from your God today. So it encourages someone also to know about it. Are you understanding me? So the work you, we are supposed to do is to be witnesses, my witnesses. In other words, he wants us to bear witness of the things that we have seen, the things we have experienced. Back to the book of Acts chapter 1. Let's look at verse 8 once again. But when the Holy Spirit comes to you, you will receive power. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and every part of the world. So the second question I want us to answer is, where are we to be his witnesses? Where? Number one, in Jerusalem. For the Jews, the Jerusalem was the city in which they are. So in application, where is the city where you live? Frederick is our Jerusalem. Then he said, number two, you are supposed to be witnesses in Judea, the region of the county that you are in. It is the immediate community surrounding you. So all of Frederick County is your Judea. Are you with me? Thirdly, he says, you ought to be witnesses in Samaria. Samaritans were the people they did not like, but were neighbors. So people in your neighborhood, that sometimes you don't even want your children to go to their home. They are the ones you ought to bear witness. Am I treading? Am I meddling? People, you don't want anything to do it. When they invite you for a party, you only look over just to see them. 
How many of you have EGR neighbors? Don't raise your hands. Just say, hmm. You have EGR neighbors? Extra grace required? Neighbors? They are the ones you ought to bear witness to. Jesus said, your Jerusalem, your Judeas, the people you don't like, your Samaritans. And finally, he says, the ends of the earth. Amen. Are you with me this morning? Instead of witnessing, we fall into a trap. We fall, first of all, we fall into the trap of focusing on me, myself, my family, my children, my work. That's it. And I think it's a very common thing in this local church. Me, myself, go to work, come back, interpret the rest of the tongues. I think you got it. Witnesses don't focus on themselves. They ought to say what they have seen and what they have experienced. So that those who are outside can hear it and learn from it. The second trap that we fall into is that we neglect our Jerusalem, our Judea, and our Samaria, and we go overseas. I realize people are laughing. Oh, I have a nice organization that actually does work in Africa. You are here in Frederick, Maryland. You have not taken care of this city, your Jerusalem. Jesus says, you start from where? Jerusalem. In fact, if you will allow me, start from your home. Start with your children. Tell them about how God has touched you. This is why parents, when there's a miracle in your life, bring your kids around. Let them understand that this God we serve, someday when they are in the midst of trouble, they can call him and God will come through for them. Don't give them a picture that everything came by your hard work. Because you know that sometimes you can't even manage the bills. I learned a secret very early. That children don't struggle with faith the way we do. So when I have a problem that I realize I'm struggling with my faith, I just circle them. Cha, tell him, we need this. And they just say it and they expect it to happen. And God didn't say, he only answers the prayer of the adult. He answers the prayer of a child as well. And I've seen God come through over and over. And there are days when, yeah, I'm your pastor, but just, just be honest. You know me, I don't hide my stuff. I just tell you. I'll just bring the kids around and say, Daddy doesn't have this faith. Can you guys pray? And they will pray and they see it. Don't you think the more they pray and they see the hand of God, the more they will become stronger. So instead of witnessing, we fall into that trap. We leave our Jerusalems. We leave our Judeas. We leave the neighbors close by because we don't like them. When we see them go to the mailbox and we are at the mailbox, we want to run away before they show up there. But what makes you think that you can go to overseas and start telling people, oh, the Lord is good. And then when they come to America, visit you in your home, they realize you can't even deal with the next person next door. The third trap we fall into. Can you read it with me? We fall into the trap of witnessing about our pastor's fine preaching. 
It is okay to say Pastor Neil preaches well, but that is not witnessing. We fall into the trap of the good singing, the facility we have. We have a so instead of you to tell the people about Christ, you are telling them about oh, we have a big land, the Sunday school rooms, we have TV. No, present Christ to them. Is this things a good thing to talk about? Maybe it's a good discussion point, but that is not witness. We fall into the trap of, as I said, we have very good youth programs. So we have churches full of people full with good youth programs, but have no relationship with the king. That's why I would always applaud our children's teachers here. Because you realize that their focus is how these kids will come to faith in Christ. We are tackling our Jerusalem. Amen. Have you heard? We are helping churches in the Philippines. And so many other places. So come to our church and you become part of that program. So the person comes to church with the mindset that we are all we are about is programs in the Philippines and other places. We start from Jerusalem. Amen. Jesus tells a story in the book of Luke chapter 15. You all remember the story of the prodigal son, right? Which is the first one Jesus starts talking about. The prodigal son is the lost son. But he tells two other stories in the same chapter. One is about the lost coin. The other is about the lost what? Sheep. It is easy to find the lost sheep and the lost son. But how do you find a coin hidden under these chairs? How do you find the one that is lost inside the house? Some of you might be sitting here coming to church every day. You love wearing white. You love singing praises. But you still don't have a relationship with Jesus. Today, I beg you in the name of God Almighty. It's time to seek a relationship with the king. This is what this is all about. It's not a place where you can find fellow people from your country so you can feel good. That's not witnessing. And today we're going to witness a young woman who is going to rise up and say, God healed me. So I want to rejoice and praise his holy name and declare that who is a God besides our God? A shelter and a strong tower. This God is my God. It's time we, you know, Thanksgiving is not about eating. It's okay to eat. But it's about singing. It's about worshiping. It's about declaring. Oh, you are Jehovah Madagascar. Oh, you are El Nayon. You are the great God. After you, does God need your food? No, he doesn't. But he needs your words. Your words don't change him, but your words put him in remembrance. You still recognize who he is. So I am challenging you today. Let's all make it a point to stop talking about church programs 
and stuff and talk about him. That is the work that God wants us to do. I'm going to make a statement. I need you to write it down. God will only empower those who talk about him. If you talk about a church, you don't need Holy Spirit empowerment. If you talk about your pastor, you don't need a Holy Spirit empowerment. If you start talking about Jesus, he will empower you. Have you ever tried praying for a co-worker? You know how you go to work and the co-worker looks a bit sad. And he says, you okay? He says, no. Most Christians don't even take advantage of it. They simply say, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Rub their back two times. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And that's it. No. You were presented with a divine opportunity. He says, oh, so things are not well? Tell me about it. And I'll take time and I'll listen. And when they are done, you go straight to the point. The Jesus I serve, he's helped me through some of these issues. Mine is not like yours, but how about we pray and see what he can do? At that moment, God would empower you. You pray some kind of prayer. You realize you have never, ever prayed in your life. And when the results come, God gets the glory. But guess who gets the honor? When Jesus was sitting on the donkey and they were putting red carpet down, the people were singing Hosanna to who? They were singing Hosanna to who? But guess who was walking on the carpet? The donkey. So when God uses you to bring glory to himself, you will be honored as well. That is the part Christians don't pay attention. It's like we are in a rat race with God. So everything is about God is going to get the glory. God is going to get the glory. Yeah, he gets the glory. You get the honor. Guess what that co-worker would do? He will go and tell another person, you have a problem? Go see her. Go see her. The last time I told about my, she prayed. And before you realize it is through the entire company, that is the person who prays for people and stuff begins to happen. May that become your story. How many of you remember Daniel? You remember Daniel? This is who we ought to become. All the people who are septraps and administrators, they look at the guy and they realize, this guy is a prayer warrior. He's different. I'm not talking about when you are behind your decks, you are doing la 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 la. That's not what I'm talking about. That one sometimes is crazy and is, is creepy. If I was at your place of work, I will tell you to shut up. Sometimes Christians, we are not tactful at all. The Bible says that people in the world have been blinded by Satan. So spiritual things they don't understand. Then all you start, do you think they understand you? You are putting them off. So keep your tongues to yourself. And use words they can understand. If we become witness conscious, even sometimes when we stand here, tongues is not appropriate. Because you are trying to reach people. 
We sing songs and we are singing about how we can shake our bodies. It's not about our bodies. We sing so that the power of God can step into somebody's life who does not know Jesus so they will come to know him. Become witness conscious. Tell the person sitting next to you, become witness conscious. God would only empower those who talk about him. When you read the scriptures, you will notice that the word witness is used 175 times. The word preach is used only 112 times. And 106 out of the 112 is all in reference to witnessing. So God wants you to talk about him, not about yourself. Amen. In the past, I've heard people say, Pastor, why don't we advertise this way? No, we will not advertise. The best advertisement is the Holy Spirit. How many of the apostles needed a billboard? How many of them needed a Facebook ad? You see, we have become subject to these things because we have chosen not to allow the Spirit of God to work through us. How did that pastor from Africa, big pastor, big church, God here, pick up a phone and said, I want to find out how you do those things. It's because the power of the Holy Spirit made it happen. Holy Spirit is the biggest advertisement. Young people, you want people to see you on campus. Set yourself on the fire of God. Men will come and watch you burn. Those were the words of John Wesley. He says, I have seen that men like fire. So I set myself on fire of the Holy Spirit and men will come to watch me burn. May God bring us to that place. Amen. So let's conclude this morning steady. We have understood what a witness is. We've looked at from the scriptural context what it ought to look like. We've seen the trap that we fall into and I want to end with a few statements about who a true witness is, a true witness. Number one, a true witness is Holy Spirit filled. Anybody who is going to be a true witness, if you will be able to do the work of God, it has to be done by the Spirit of God. A true witness is filled with the Holy Spirit. So we're going to take a break during this teaching not today, in the coming weeks, and every Sunday morning, when Lady D mounts the pulpit, it will be a time we are praying for a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because without it, you are not an effective. And I'm not saying that if you don't speak in tongues, it means you cannot be an effective witness, because there are many who shall ababa, but their language is filthy. It has become a language. But if we want to get to that place where the fire of God is literally oozing through you. Amen. Anybody who wants to be a true witness must be filled with the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts chapter 2 teaches us something. The Bible tells us that on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon all of them. 
In verse 14 of Acts chapter 2, Peter stands up and the Bible says he was full of the Holy Spirit and he began to speak. When he gets to verse 32, he says, we are his witnesses. Are you guys with me? Acts chapter 6 verse 10, the scripture says, people were looking for ways to put Stephen down. Because the guy was, was full of so much wisdom. And the source of the wisdom was the Holy Spirit. Don't let anybody tell you that because they have a PhD, they will be smarter than you. If you will learn to depend on the Holy Spirit, he will make you smarter. Amen. The last company I worked for, there was this guy who was brought in. The guy didn't know anything. He will come to me, ask me a question. I will explain the entire process for him. He goes to the bosses and he tells them this is how it ought to be done. Then tell them Neil didn't complete it. So I got pulled into a meeting two times. And in one of the meetings, I felt the need to just defend myself. In the presence of the bosses, I started posing a lot of questions to him that I know he doesn't know. And the guy was fumbling until this Holy Spirit comes to me and said, you are just trying to show who you are. You have an opportunity to show me and you are not doing it. And it came out of my lips. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. Then they all said, excuse me, what did you just say? You're sorry? I said, to my God, not you. And at that moment, it was like a download. I began to say things. All the people in the high hierarchy were like, wow, you know all these things. When you constantly walk with God, I'm telling you, he will upgrade your knowledge that you didn't read from a book. The church must get back to that place where we walk with the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? A true witness is Holy Spirit filled. Secondly, a true witness is Holy Spirit directed. The only way we know the Holy Spirit is in you is because he directs you. But if he is not directing you, then there's no need him being in you. Because then it becomes just a show. In the book of Acts chapter 8, these verses, I will not quote them, I will read them to you. When we read verse 29, you all remember that there was an Ethiopian Enoch. You remember that guy? Who had gone to worship in Jerusalem, was going back to what? And the Bible says he was of the treasury of the queen of, of what? Of Sheba or something like that, right? And then he was reading the scrolls, the scriptures. Then the Holy Spirit speaks to Philip. Let's read it. Acts 8, 29. The Spirit said to Philip. Everybody say the Spirit said. The Spirit said. Say that again. So please. Don't let anybody tell you today the Holy Spirit has stopped speaking. He still speaks. He may not speak to you the same way he speaks to me because he knows how you learn. So he will speak it to you in the way that you learn. Are you guys with me? The Spirit said to Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Effective witnessing can only happen when the Holy Spirit is directing you. I want us to look at another example in regards to this. And it's about Peter, Acts chapter 10, right? Peter had received a vision, and the vision was about unclean animals. And, and the focus of that 
vision was the fact that the people who are not Jewish, Jesus didn't come for them. And God is changing the mind of Peter. These guys, no, 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 no. They can't receive what we have. Notice what the Holy Spirit does. Acts chapter 10, verse 19. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, because he's not too sure. The Spirit said to him, the Spirit did what? Come on to me. The Spirit did what? Did the Bible say the Spirit said to him? It means the Spirit can speak. He understands your language. I walked into a place and there was this guy telling me, when you pray, for it to be effective, you have to pray in English. And I told him that is a lie from the pit of hell. Because if God caused people's languages to be dispersed, he understands every language. And if he's going to speak to you, how in the world is he going to use a language you don't understand? If, if I don't speak English and God speaks to me in English, am I obligated to obey? Because I don't, I don't understand it. I'm pricking your conscience. Because sometimes the moments when I have received a real proper download, it came through Fanti. Because that is the language I'm really used to. And there is no way I would say I have to go look up a word. Because every word used, I understand it. Are you with me? So while Peter was still thinking about a vision, the Spirit said to him, listen, three men are looking for you. So specific. Verse 20, get up, go downstairs, get up, go downstairs, go with them without doubting because I have sent them to you. May the Holy Spirit send people to you. And may you listen when he sends them. Effective witnessing, becoming a witness for the king must happen when he speaks. One last verse and I'll leave that alone. Paul and his companions, pick this with me from the book of Acts chapter 16. Let's look at verse 6. Paul and those with him went through the areas of Phagia and Galatia. Since the Holy Spirit did not let them preach the good news in Asia. Last week I talked about it. Before a season, I used to accept invitations because of the money. I won't hide that. Because I know when I go to this particular man, it's a big church, so they're going to give me big money. So all the time I'm standing there preaching and yelling and screaming, guess who sent me? Me. And the judgment I'm about to receive is big. Why? Because an entire congregation is sitting there listening to me saying, hear the word of the Lord. And I, God didn't send me, I sent me. Until the day God opened my eyes. If you're going to walk with me, you must wait for my instructions. You know, when you are waiting for God's instructions, there will be people who will come and tell you, God won't come down. He won't come down. He gave you legs. He's giving you wisdom. You have to use it. Yes, it has its place. But there is a timing where you must know what he's saying. Are you guys with me? It's like going to pray and say, God, give me a chair. 
Why should he? He's already given you a tree. So your prayer should be, give me wisdom to know how to convert the tree into a chair. You asked him for a chair, it's wrong prayer. This is why sometimes the prayers are not answered. Because God is saying, what did they want me to do? I'm just dramatizing. <laughs> what did they want me to do? I gave them a tree. You can make a chair from the tree. So the right prayer should be, give me what? Wisdom. So I am not downplaying the idea that sometimes we are in a rush to ask God for things that he's already given us answers to. But you must understand that when the Holy Spirit is in the loop, he will tell you, son, the prayer, it should not be above the chair. It should be above the wisdom to be able to make the chair. Are you guys with me? I had a couple one time we sat and we began to talk about their marriage and then they all, everybody told their problem and everybody was pointing their fingers while sitting down quietly. It's very miserable when I'm in the midst of two people who everybody feels they are right. At the point I yelled, shut up! Because I was sick and tired of hearing it. Then they all kept quiet. I said, you are acting like a bunch of kids. Now I'm going to flog you because you, until you grow up, I'll flog you. So I stood up, put up my belt. Now, I can be crazy sometimes. Then they all said, Pastor, you're going to whip us? I said, because you're behaving like it. I said, if, if you don't want me to flog you, then please, can we be adults? They said, yes, we will be. I said, that's a good place to start. So I put my belt down. And I said, now, one of you start talking intelligently. And like a matured person, addressing the other party as my love who has offended me. And by the time we went through that, it was the end. They said, Pastor, we didn't know that we could still address each other respectfully even when we are angry. When you study about snakes, it is often proven that the smaller snakes are more poisonous than the big ones. You know why? Because the bigger snakes are able to control their venom. The smaller ones, when they push they push. So anybody who is matured must learn how to control their venom. Let's finish reading Acts chapter 6. Paul and those with him went through the areas of Phrygia and Galatia, saying the Holy Spirit did not let them preach the good news in Asia. In other words, the Holy Spirit did not stop them from going through Galatia and then Phrygia. He only forbid them from going through Asia. And Asia was a big place. If you bring it down to modern terminology, it is not Asia. It is modern Turkey. He forbid them from going to the place. And he says, I need you to go somewhere else. Let's look at verse 7. Please read with me, shall we? Read. When they came near the country of Major, they tried to go into Britannia, but the spirit of Jesus did not let them. Don't preach everywhere. Seek God. Be sure he wants you there. So we accept these invitations, walk into these places, and because he hasn't sent us there, we have to conjure. So we do anointings that we have not been directed. We do things. Are you guys understanding me? This is why I don't invite just anybody here. 
Because if God has not burdened my heart to bring that individual, it ain't coming. There are days I have invited people and just a few days. I'll call them. I said, I think I hear otherwise. You are not coming. Most of you won't do it. I apologize. You, you will save your face and disobey the Holy Spirit. I choose not to save my face so I can obey him. Amen. So young people, you are in school and the spirit of God is laid it on your heart. Go get this popular girl on campus. But they are so cocky that you don't want to get close to them. You would rather be with your group. No, the Holy Spirit knows better. Let's just be honest. If Mickey J, you know Mickey J? The one that slides. If Mickey J was standing here and I was standing here, and we all preach the same gospel, who will people listen to? They will listen to Mickey J. Why? Because he's popular. It's human nature. And sometimes God would take people like Paul because everybody knows him as crazy. And now he's saying Jesus is Lord. Wow. But how is Paul going to come? Not all of them will have a Damascus Road experience. God is going to use you. Amen. So young people, don't be afraid of them. He said, hey, the voice of the Lord speaks to me that you need to know Jesus. Amen. A true witness, number one, we said, is Holy Spirit filled. Number two, is Holy Spirit, what? Directed. Number three, they speak what they know. They speak. Come on, talk to me. They speak what they know. You remember the man who was born blind? When he was healed and the Pharisee says, hey, we want to know who healed you. In John chapter 9, verse 25, what did the guy say? He answered, I don't know if he is a sinner. One thing I do know. So Jesus doesn't want you to go give a witness and say stuff you don't know. You don't know, you don't know. But there are some things you know. What is it that you know? You know that once I was blind, but now what? Once I was a player, not me. Me, I was even afraid. Then I would tell you, I still haven't proposed properly. <laughs> I just gave her gestures. And my mentor called him, my son means it. That, that's the problem I have. Everybody has their own problem. He says, once I was blind, but now I see. Once I was a player, but now I'm no more. Once I was a, a schemer, somebody who was into 419. You all understand all that means. Once I was this, once I was that, once I was this. But today, I am no more. Who is responsible for the change? Jesus. Say what you know. Don't go say things that you don't know. A true witness, number four, speaks the truth. Don't lie. Because people will find out. Don't go say, I died and I was in a bog and I came out. Just speak the truth. Are you guys with me? You don't need to impress nobody. Your witness is carried by the Holy Spirit.
That is all that is important. Amen. A true witness, number five, keeps to the point. Please don't go in circles. If you read the book of um, Acts chapter 7, you realize when Stephen began his defense, right? He started from the beginning of the Bible and said many things. But when he got to the, the last moment, he came down to the point. He says, you are stiff, naked people and Jesus wants your heart. You must always come to that point. Don't go telling the people, hmm, yeah, yeah. I asked for, there is a lot of miracles though. There are a lot of miracles. Come back and say, what will you do with Jesus? Jesus, the one that I'm talking about. See, you can say God because God is in many religions. Am I right? On on TV, they will not cut you off. The moment you say Jesus, they will mute you and say, we are sorry we lost the signal. Liars. Always come to that place and say, what will you do with Jesus, the one who died for you, for your sins to be forgiven? Finally, a true witness invites people to Christ. You all remember the woman of the well? Let's read John 4, 29, and I will close. Did you learn anything today? The woman of the well. Read with me from the screen. John chapter 4, verse 29, shall we? Read. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Did you think he might be the Christ? It was not ambiguous. He says, the way he spoke, he's got to be the Christ. Now, let's all just be honest. This woman have gone through five husbands. So they've not talked about the ones that didn't work. God can use anybody. Raise your right hand with me, please, and let's say, I'm a candidate to bear witness from this day forward. Shall we stand together? I want you to pray and say, God, give me the ability and the strength to become a witness for you. Shall we all pray really quick? Come on. In the mighty name of the Lord. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, make me a witness. Make me a witness for you. In the precious name of the Lord. Come on, talk to him and ask him. In everything I do and say, wherever I am, he says, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, even people you, who you know, you don't like or they don't like you. He says, wherever you find yourself, you are a witness for me. Talk to the Lord today. Talk to him. And ask that his spirit will become evident and available in your life. Because a true witness is not only spirit-filled, but his spirit-directed. They speak the truth. They speak, you go straight to the point. But all these other things are possible if the Holy Spirit is the one directing you. Talk to him. Talk to him this morning. We bless his name. We worship his majesty. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Grab the hand of the person standing next to you. In the name of the Lord. I wanted you to pray for this person who is standing next to you and say, Lord, 
make them a witness for you. Let them bear witness. We have learned that every single one of us is a witness. But what God wants us to do is to bear witness. We must share what we know. Bear witness. Share what you have seen. Share what you have experienced. Share it. Let's pray together. Hallelujah. Make me a witness for you. Make me a witness for you, Lord. Make me a witness for you. That I will bear witness for you. Lord, that we will speak about your resurrection, that you died and rose again to bring healing deliverance to mankind on every level. I pray that, Lord, we will not shy away. We will bear witness. We will bear witness. You said that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it is not so that we will sit in the church, but that, Lord, we will become witnesses, that we will become, we will bear witness, that we will begin to declare to the nations of the world that forgiveness is available, salvation is available, because God came down in the, in the form of a flesh, and he died for us and rose again. And so he makes that available. Today we give you praise and glory, and we sing hallelujah to the Lamb of God. We are declaring today, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Lord, bring us to that place. Oh God. We bless you. Ooh. You can separate those hands. We're going to do the last prayer. We're going to pray finally. I want you to pray deep in your own heart. Ask God, make me. Not just a witness. Because there are things you have seen. There are things that you can bear witness to. Jesus died. He rose. You look at your life. You can say with a blind man, once I was blind, now I can see. You can say with a woman of the well, come and see if this is not a Christ. Let's speak to the Lord. Come on, talk to him about your own self. Worthy is the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb, we bless you. Oh, worthy is the Lamb. Come, Lord Jesus. Oh, we bless your name, we bless your name, and we worship your majesty. For the great things that you have done. We would ask the musicians to come around. Come on, in the name of the Lord. Father, we pray today. We ask of you. Strengthen us, O God. Cause your glory to rise on the inside. Every single one of us to be able to function, O God, as witnesses, O God. To bear witness, to bear witness. That we will begin to become proof producers. Mm. If you all do me a favor, we're going to make one last faith confession and I'll be, stay out of your way. Raise both hands up to heaven. And would you say this after me and say like you mean it. Father, I thank you that from this very day, 
I will produce proof for your resurrection. Not just in words, but in my life. Many will see your power at work in me. Amen. Thank you for joining us on this spiritual encounter. Need more help? Text radio to 301-696-8555 or visit us on the web at covenantfamilychapel.org. You may also visit us at one of our in-person services on Sundays at 10 a.m. and discover the difference that the kingdom of God makes. Like up on social media, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Covenant One Family.